Welcome to our opinion. This is Saratova Beth, War and Peace. Yesterday we talked about um, the idea of being in the midst of a war and doing it in a peaceful way. Um, worth it to just listen to yesterday's so that, so that we get the full elucidation. But today we're going to add a piece to it and ask ourselves, again, and when we say war, we mean whether it's a, a global war, God forbid, or a personal war, God forbid, or just, you know, fighting with my closet, that's a war, or, or fighting with the, the key, trying to open the, the, the door and fighting with the key that it doesn't work, whether from the smallest to the biggest, <coughs> we no longer, we used to do it in a way, war is war, and when you're in the middle of the war, you feel that you're in the middle of the war. But to do it in the, as, as if you're in the middle of peace and in truth do it in a peaceful way is a whole skill. And it's a skill that becomes available as we step into this moment in history. It doesn't only become available, it becomes the only way that will work. And we're going to see why in a second. And why is it the only, uh, sorry, not why, but where do we see that it's the only way that will work? Well, we understand that this year we sat in peace, so to speak, other than horrific, you know, there was fear when we were sitting in our homes quarantined and there was awful, awful loss of life. But other than that, the world was quiet and peaceful, the quiet before the storm. And then when the chaos came, you know, as we said, it was like a tsunami. First, there's the water inundates with a tsunami. The water inundates the land. And it, we could actually compare this year to a tsunami. When the water inundates the land, all of a sudden, all the water just comes rushing on the land to a place where it doesn't belong. And it's a massive inv- invasion. It's essentially a holocaust, a massive, massive invasion of just the ocean overflows onto the dry land, into people's homes, on the streets, etc. People are lifted up. When the real tsunami happened, people were lifted up many feet into the air. Very devastating. And we went through that attack and invasion as Jewish people the first half of the year with the scary stuff that was happening to us in being under attack, under what we call anti-Semitic attack, random attacks here and there in the world. And then the second phase of the of a tsunami is um, an enormous quiet, a stillness. In the tsunami, people who described it afterwards said it's very deceptive because people were terrified when the invasion and the attack and the violence of the water came into their private homes and into their lives and wherever they were, boom, they were suddenly attacked by the water. But then when everything stopped, and it was terrifying, when everything stopped and there are those few seconds or few moments when it's absolutely still. The person who wrote about the tsunami said, Whoever's familiar with tsunamis knows what's going to happen after that. 
What's going to happen after that? The stillness, which deceives some people and makes some people feel like the attack is over. It's quiet now. Everything's okay now. After those couple of minutes, the water that inundated and attacked the, the dry land goes back to the ocean. It recedes. That's good, right? The attacking, invading water recedes. That's good. But the undertow is deadly. The undertow current and the force, the magnetic force of the undertow that actually pulls everything on the dry land with it out into the ocean with deadly force and irresistible pull. That's where all the real damage happens and the real disaster. And then I don't know what the fourth phase would be. We could say, and then the fourth phase is assessing the aftermath of all of this. We could say that we've been through, we're now in the fourth phase of this year, of suction pay. The first half of the year with invasions into Jewish places of worship, etc., and evil people coming in and attacking, God forbid, Hialeah. And then Purim came and complete stillness. Every city, quiet, emptied out, quiet. And then, after 11 weeks of that, 11 weeks for us, the third phase, everything started to go back into that, the ocean, you know, that huge, giant, chaotic ocean. And the undertow is deadly. The undertow, it pulls with it in a chaotic way everything on the dry land. It just it just sucks everything back out into the that huge ocean, that huge sea. And there's tremendous chaos. And the force of it is so powerful, you can't resist. So when Shavuos came, and then chaos ensued. Chaos ensued. Right? And and nobody could resist it. I mean, we could. We were also frightened or confused. But whoever got swept up in it, hear those words, swept up in it, they were absolutely pulled by the undertow of it. The magnetic pull of the rhetoric that was being spewed all over the street that made even no sense and it was just magnetic rhetoric that nobody, people couldn't resist. They just all had to spew the same rhetoric even though it didn't make any sense to them. And all going back to that huge cosmic ocean, that sea, you know, out, out to sea, out to this huge body of, you know, what will become the new society one day. And then somehow, I would say, since the base Thomas were in the fourth phase, which is assessing, okay, where, where, somehow, where is this taking us? 
let's assess what happened all year, and now that we're in the month of Elul especially, what was this all about? And this is going to be the bridge to the future. So that's why Kiseto and Lachama, when you go out to war, war and peace, it's never been understood in a way as well as it can be understood this year because we've lived through various frequencies of love, of, of, love, of war and peace this year, and it's um, we're trying to make sense of it. So, um, the, um, the the way we can understand how you can be in a war in a mode of peace. And we said yesterday, when you go out to war means you're going out of your comfort zone, you're going out to a situation which is a war zone, enemies are attacking you, um, everything's against you, it's all stacked up against you, it doesn't look like you can possibly win, they will win, you're the victim, you're going out to war, it's a tough, it's tough. Doggy dog world is a tough world. And Kisaba La'art, the next Parsha is, ah, it's your land, it's your place, it belongs to you, you've inherited it, you're in the right place, you're in charge, you're, you're in control, you're there with Hashem, everything's flowing, you're going to settle the land and settle into this holy domain, everything's just, ah, perfect. How do you experience that mood when you're in the middle of a war? The Rebbe says a, a brilliant thing. Brilliant. Were you, here's the question they asked is the following. Were you forced into the war? Or did you choose it? What does that mean? Imagine that we decide we're all going to get together for a whole day and we're going to play Monopoly. I mean, that, or, you know, there are these more, the, the, there are these war games. But let's say we're playing Monopoly. Monopoly is a kind of a war, you know, I'm going to buy, I'll buy up all the property and then I'll buy it from you, I'll undercut you and, and now I own the whole block and now <laughs> you can't buy any property on my block and then, you know, whatever it is in real estate, I'm not a real estate person. The most I know about real estate is from playing Monopoly when I was a kid. But it can be pretty, pretty ugly. You know, I wanted that property. You you bought up everything around it. Now I'm stuck, and now you're going to own everything, and it's just a short step till you own more, etc. At some point, and and we're starting. Unless they were really good friends, but after five hours of playing this game, we are certainly acting like sworn enemies, and it's getting uglier and uglier. And finally, someone comes in and sees what's happening and asks, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah, how dare she? She bought up all the property. You know, all I wanted was one little piece of property. She bought up apartment buildings, not only homes. And she, disgusting. She, you know. And finally, somebody looks at both of us and says, um, hey, guys, this is a Monopoly game. Why don't you just put away the game and go out for pizza and forget about it? 
and we're already so into it, we don't feel that we're in a game anymore. It feels so real. I feel like I'm never going to talk to her again. How dare she? She was so cutthroat in the way she bought up all the properties on the Monopoly game. If someone can convince us, it's just a game. You decided to play the game. You can put away all the pieces, close up the box, put it high up on the shelf, go out for pizza. We can, because in the tr- in truth, we chose, the, we cho- it's a game, number one, and number two, we chose to play the game. And we can choose to stop playing the game. In real life, it's not so simple. Because in real life, real life is not a monopoly game, it's real life. So if that's, all of that is actually happening in real life, we can't just say, okay, I don't want to play anymore, put the game away, let's go out for pizza. No, it's real life. It's much more serious and permanent. It's not pieces of paper. It's real money, it's real this, it's real that. It's not a game. A game is something you choose to play. Hey, you want to play a game of Monopoly? Sure. Yeah, but this time, we can't take it so seriously and become enemies. Okay, okay, okay. Right. So a game is something you choose. So that's interesting. Because you choose to play it, then all the rules are different. You can also unchoose to play it. All the rules are different. So now, when it comes to the war of life, do I live? Is life a war, a constant war? Or is life constant peace? Is life about you say to the Muhammad Allah when you go out to war against your enemies, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some people, say, here, I'm going to give you two different themes of two different parshas. You tell me which one depicts your life more. Okay, one is, you say to the Muhammad Allah when you go out to war against your enemies, one person will say, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my life. Yep, story of my life. Perfect parsha. That's my uh, signature parsha. When you go out to war against your enemies, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, okay, then there's another parsha. When you come to the land, the Arashi of the Ashaktaba. You come to the land, it's a beautiful, incredible land, flowing with milk and honey, and it's peaceful and beautiful. And then you, and you, and you find out it's actually yours. It belongs to you. You're not jealously looking at somebody else's land, it's your land. You've inherited it, right, by right. And you're going to settle it. And really just settle in. Okay. If that's the case, is that your energy? So there are a few people who would say, yeah, that's my energy. I live life from Kisava. Life is like my land. Every moment I'm stepping into the land of Israel. And then a moment later, I'm stepping into a deeper level of the land of Israel. And every moment, I'm stepping into a new moment, a new brand new fresh moment of the land of Israel. Right? So to speak, the land of Israel is composed of, you know, time and space. Right? So in time and space, sorry, the land of Israel is, is, is of course, all the time, um, in the land of Israel, 
is 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 brand new fresh time because all of the space in the land of Israel is brand new fresh space. There's nothing there's nothing stale about the land of Israel. So there are a few people who live that way. Brand new fresh energy. Ah, not only that, living in the land of Israel means you know ah um and we're here we're home. It's beautiful, it's magnificent, it's flowing with milk and honey. Everything I need, including delicacies, are given to me and provided for me. It's my land. Nobody's doing me a big favor by letting me have the milk and honey and, and being here. Nobody begs, could I stay? My land. And I'm going to settle in, and now not only, not only do I have that advantage, it's my land, I'm going to settle myself in and and really, you know, over my Chabadas here. You know, do do my best. My all best creative living I'm gonna do here now. That's the energy of Kisavas. Some people actually manage to live that way, which is amazing. Most people live in yeah, life is a constant war. Okay. So the Rebbe says the following. This war that's denoted by Kisaitul Muhammad when you go out to war, it's an optional war. You chose it. You chose it. What does that mean? First of all, if you chose it, then everything we just said before. You chose the war. So then it's a fake war. It's like the Monopoly game. When you, hey, want to play Monopoly? Yeah, okay. Okay, so you can choose any time. Okay, enough. All right, this war, it's too much. Put away the game. Let's go for pizza. Because you chose it. When you're, when you're in something, when you're forced into something, you don't have any choices. Um, it's not so easy to just step out of it. Well, <laughs> what are my choices? What do you mean? How can I step out of, you know, whatever it is. A uh, person's in, when we were in Mitzrayim, you know, there we were, the whole the whole Jewish nation in the land of Egypt. Um, imagine that we're sitting there crying and saying, we're in slavery, we're in slavery. We wouldn't have appreciated, you know how people say, well, you create your own reality. We really wouldn't have appreciated if, and, and being beaten by the, the slave, the taskmasters, God forbid, we wouldn't have appreciated if um, somebody said, well, you chose this, like, oh, get out of here. Right? You chose this. But the fact is, when it comes to this war of the Parsha, the Rebbe says, you chose it. And so once you chose it, you can unchoose it at any time. It's kind of like the Monopoly game. So now, okay, fine. Just prove to me how I chose it, and then I will understand that I will concede to you that if I chose it, I can unchoose it. I can say, put away the game, go in for pizza. But how are you going to prove to me that I chose this 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 war? So here's the answer. Because we are Chela Kabaya, part of part of Hashem, part of Avaya, one with Avaya, Yisrael Bikuchibikhukulakad, one with Hashem. So we are completely higher than than uh, a connection to the world and to to working in the world. We are Havaya. Yudke Vavke is above the world. 
We are Chelek Havaya, part of Havaya. We are one with Havaya. If Havaya is completely above the world and we're one with him, then we're above the world. And we're above the enslavement to the world and all the things that you have to do in the world. So when we come down into the world in a way of Yitzhia, you go out of your holy place up there. Uh, we, when we come into the world, we leave our true place up in the supernal world, which is very beautiful, and we choose to come down here. And up there we're one with Hashem, and we're not enslaved in any way. But we say, you know what? I think I want to go down there. I mean, they ask us. You want to go down into the world and do purification of the world work? And I guess we all said, yeah, 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 oh, sure, sure. What are the conditions? And Hashem told us the conditions. And we probably said, oh, my. Sounds like a lot of work. Ooh, this isn't going to be easy. And probably, you know, Hashem tells us, um, well, okay, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what some of the other people in history have done, you know, Avram Avinu and Maishar Benu and, you know, how they've managed in the world. And we say, oh, well, sounds like you could kind of be successful. So we obviously all said, yeah, yeah, send us down. We're, we're, going, we're going into the world. That was called, we chose. We could have said no. We said, okay, I'm, I'm in. Right? So after Hashem makes Seder Hishtashlus, after Hashem creates the world, then it's in our choice, Bereshusam, of the Jewish people, where, so to speak, it's our choice. Now, so we have two choices. One is, do you want to come down from under the Kisei HaKavit from your real place and come into the world? So that was choice number two. And we obviously all said yes. What was choice number one? Choice number one was even more interesting. Before Hashem created the world, he didn't want to make the decision on his own. So he went to the souls of Tzadikim, the Chassidah says that's all of us, all Yidin are considered Tzadikim, and he consulted with them. And he asked, should we consult? What do you think, guys? Hey, guys, what do you think? Should we create a world? And then, if we create a world together, do you want to create a world? Like, should we create a world? And we probably ask, hmm, well, Hashem, interesting, what would this world that we should create look like? And he told us, showed us, you know, the, the trailer of the movie. And he told us. And we obviously said, yes, let's go for it. How do we know we obviously said, yes, let's go for it? Because here's, there, there is a world. He asked us, should we, should we create a world? We clearly said yes. Because we, how do we know? Because there is a world. So that was our first choice. Should we make a world? We said, yeah, let's go for it. Even, even considering the circumstances. Second question, would you, now that we have a world, would you, like, would you, do you choose to be sent down 
into this world to do your your mission? And again, we said yes. That's called... Now, each time we were sent into a war zone, when the world was created, Hashem said, it is going to be a war zone. Do you want to? And we said, yes. Second time, yeah, that world is pretty tricky. When you go down into the world, you are descending into a war zone. Do you want to? And we said, yes. Each time, that's called an optional war. Why is it called an optional war? Because you didn't have to agree to go. For you, it was optional. You could have said, I don't think we should make a world. Then there wouldn't have been any war. The fact that you said, let's make a world, you agreed with Hashem, you had the choice. That was an optional war. You chose yes on the ballot. You chose. You chose yes on the ballot to come down. That was an optional war. He said to the Mohammed, with the Parsha, when you go out to war, it's called Mohammed's Rishut. It's an optional war. And therefore, it changes everything about our situation in the world. Don't complain, you chose it. You know, ah, I, you know, I hate, uh, whatever, um, I, I, I can't stand this phone that I got. I, I, I don't like having this 5G phone. No, that's a bad example. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like the vitamins I'm taking. I don't like them. So, well, don't take them anymore. Yeah. In other words, you chose to take these vitamins. Don't come and complain now. You decided to take them. I asked you, are you sure you don't want the vitamins? Yeah, yeah, I want the vitamins. Or, or better. Okay, we're going on this trip together. Should I take all, should I take all the vitamin C? No, 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 absolutely not. What if we need it? We're not going to need it. Okay, we get there, have a cold. Yeah, I need vitamin C. I asked you if I should take the vitamin C. You said no. <laughs> right? You chose it. You put yourself in this situation and you chose it. Don't complain now. <laughs> Don't complain now. You chose to leave the vitamin C at home. So now, don't complain. You chose it. So this is the Nikudah that's being brought out. The Rebbe is saying, so to speak, don't complain. You can't call this world. This world is, number one, a war zone. Number two, a peace zone. If you chose everything we should say before, you chose to create this world, and you chose to come down into this world. This is all optional. You cannot say, well, Stuck in a war zone. You cannot claim that you're stuck in a war zone. You chose it. Then you're not stuck. You're not in it. And therefore, when we have the choice of, of whether we want to call, we want to see ourselves as living in a constant war zone or a constant peace zone, it's in, it's up to, it's our choice. And to say the last paragraph here, Mitzad, coming from the Matthias of the Yid, as we are before the world was created, a Jew, before the world was created, that Avaida was ob- obligatory. There is one piece that's obligatory. I was created to serve my maker. You have to do it. But, 
In other words, in this world, in this world, what are you doing here? I have to serve my maker. Where's the choice there? Okay, once you're in it already, once you're in the world, that's what you're here to do. Once you sign up, they send me down. Let's make a world. Send me down. Once you're down here, you signed down the dotted line. Now you got to work. This is not, do you want to work or not? Wait. You, you agreed to work. That's it. You're here to work. I'm here to serve my maker. But mitzad the mitzias and mitis from the, from your true essence, which is higher than the world, which is emphasized by the word tete, go out. You were created, when you were created, you had to go out from your true place above Tater Shalshus down into the creation of the world. To such an extent that we were consulted whether to, the world should be created. And as we said, all of this means it's optional. Um, sorry. So the point is that if we, if we say, Life is a constant war. The Rev is saying, you're missing the point. You have a choice which way you want it to be. And now we understand the whole union of a reward, which maybe we'll discuss tomorrow. The, the whole union of a reward, because when you're talking about the true essence of a Jew way above the world, coming down into the world, that's optional. So to sum it all up, if I have chosen... In a two-step process, this world and my being down in the world, which means it's optional, and the tools given are when you go out to war over your enemies, you are higher than your enemies. This is talking about when you go out to an optional war against your enemies, and here it sits. We're in an optional war. You have to know that you're higher than your enemy. And therefore, or what, how we're going to end it off today, because I've chosen to be in this war zone, it's also a peace zone. I have the choice of deciding, do I want to, I want to consider myself in a war zone or a peace zone? Both are there. Just like I chose those two steps, I have one third choice now. And my third choice is, I want to consider myself constantly in a war zone or constantly in a peace zone. I have that choice. And therefore, the war is not a real war. It's a, it's a fake war. It sure looks like a war, but it's not a war where you're locked into war. You choose whether you want to stay in the war-like energy. And if not, you can be out. So please, Hashem, take us out. We'll take ourselves out with that mindset which can make all the difference. And we say to you, please, Hashem, take us out of any shreds left after we shift our mindset so that we find ourselves in the time of Yamsha, Kula Shadis, the time of ultimate peace and the end of time when we'll be home, 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 grounded, safe, warm, loved, nurtured, loving, unified, nourished, you name it. Home, home, home. Right person, right place, right time, right moment, right combination, right everything. Should be immediately now.